want to welcome everyone tonight to Dive at Compass Church. Thank you all for coming out once again. Uh, tonight is an important night because we're finishing up our four-part series tonight on the Spirit-Empowered Life. So you guys might be sick of hearing from me after these four weeks. <laughs> but um, I think it's been good. Uh, so far, we've learned about uh, knowing the Holy Spirit on that first night, and then being filled with the Spirit on night two, and then praying in the Holy Spirit. And so tonight is part four. Um, we're going to talk about being led by the Holy Spirit. So I hope you got your notebook and your trusty pen. And uh, we're going to get started. It's going to be good tonight. I hope you guys came ready to learn something. All right, so first I want to start out by just imagining something. Imagine that someone gave you like an all-expense paid trip to a place that you've always wanted to go, but you've never been there. You, you don't really know how to get there. You've, you've never been, so you don't know the directions. You don't know how to get there. All you know is that you've got to get there because it's free. And uh, maybe it's an uh, uh, all-expense-paid trip to the mountains, and, and it's this tiny cabin up in the mountains, and you just you don't know how you're going to find it. So 200 years ago, you would have gotten out your compass, right? You would have found out if it was north or south, and you would have used a compass to find your way. About 20 years ago, you would have spread a paper road map out on the table before you left, and you would have found which road, which highway, and, you know, you might have had to stop along the way and ask a few people, but you would have mapped out your way with a paper map. But today, nobody knows how to use a compass or a road map, right? We've just thrown those things away, and uh, I'm not even sure they make paper road maps anymore. So today, we trust in our um, fancy GPSs on our phone or in our car. But have you ever been following that GPS? She's telling you. I know Keith has a British accent, right? His GPS is from England, I believe. But if you miss your turn, you know, you're going and she somehow you get past the turn before she tells you to turn. And then she says, like, in her British accent, recalculating route. Does she say route or route? recalculating route until you find a new way or you turn around she's going to recalculating route so you're lost in a new city or somewhere out in the country you don't know where you are you're circling around uh, you're wasting a lot of time you're wasting a lot of gas and you really are just becoming so aggravated with this British woman you want to throw her out the window right so getting lost on that kind of trip is very frustrating, right? But getting lost in life can be just completely detrimental to your life and really to the life of others around you. And so what do you do when you need guidance from God? How do you know which way to go when you're facing a crossroad? How do you know how to find God's direction which is really God's will for your life. How do you know how to find that? What if the answer that you're looking for is just not written in black and white in your Bible? 
There's no scripture that just tells you exactly what to do. There's things in our life that we have to make decisions about, like who to marry or what job to take or what house to buy, where we're going to live. So all of these questions can be answered in one simple phrase, and that is to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your best guide, better than any compass, roadmap, or GPS. Have you ever been on one of those uh, guided tours, you know, like at a museum or like a, um, you know, a historical bus tour where they have a tour guide that tells you where to go and all about the places that you're seeing or all about the museum? They're very knowledgeable. They know a lot about the things that you're looking at for the very first time. They know how to tell you all about those things. I remember once I went on a tour of Alcatraz. It's in uh, San Francisco. And this was in 1995, so uh, it was pretty super high-tech stuff that they had going on for 1995. But when you walked in the door, each person was given, like, this little uh, cassette player, I believe it was, and some headphones. And uh, you would go through the tour. You went to station number one. You push play. You listen to the tour guide on the cassette tape tell you all about what you were looking at. And you could stop the recording and look around a few minutes, and then when you were ready to go to the next place, you just push play, and it would direct you to where to go next. It's pretty interesting way back in the day. But now, the knowledge that was on that cassette tape was limited, right? I couldn't have taken that same cassette and headphones and gone over to the Golden Gate Bridge and then push play. I wouldn't have gotten any information about the Golden Gate Bridge from that cassette because that cassette tape, that tour guide was limited to that one place. But I want you to know we have a tour guide whose knowledge is endless. He knows everything. He knows everyone, past, present, and future. And he is the most qualified guide that we can have. He is our internal compass. He's our all-knowing roadmap. And he is our supernatural GPS. You know who he is, right? Let's take a look at what the Bible says about being led by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read John 16, verses 13 through 15 in the Amplified. It says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak His own message on His own authority, but He will tell whatever He hears from the Father. And He will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will honor and glorify me because he will take of or receive or draw upon what is mine and I will reveal or declare or transmit it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine and that is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and will reveal it to you. 
And so this verse says that the Spirit will guide us. How will He guide us? It says that He will tell us what the Father says, and He will announce and declare things about your future. And when somebody tells you something or announces or declares, they're talking to you, right? The Holy Spirit will not only help us and empower us, but He will guide us if we set our mind on Him and listen to His guidance. If we listen to Him and then obey His leading, we can live in just a Holy Spirit divine flow in our life. But on the other hand, if we are disobedient or we just make a mistake, make a wrong turn, we can end up heading in the wrong direction, right? And if you listen carefully when you've made a wrong direction, a wrong choice, or you've been disobedient, you can, you can almost hear the Holy Spirit saying, recalculating root, in a British accent. He is full of mercy and full of grace, and He'll help you turn around and get back on the right track. And I, I really believe when I was kind of studying on this that through this message, the Holy Spirit wants to encourage somebody here tonight that's just been wandering around in the wilderness, sort of, wondering, where is God? And you may be desperate for some guidance from the Holy Spirit. If somewhere on your life journey you took a bad exit ramp and your life has just turned out kind of crummy recently, this is for you. Or maybe you thought that you were following God's leading, but things are just not going so well, this is for you too. Maybe that exit ramp you took was because of some offense or some hurt in your past or disappointment and you've just been running away. This is for you too. And if your life has just been down in the dumps for a long time and you just come to accept that this is just your new normal, this is just how it is in my life, this is for you. I want you to stop and ask yourself this question. When was the last time that you sensed the Lord's blessing and favor and peace and joy and goodness flowing in your life? If you can remember a time in your life when you were blessed, and I'll just say living the dream, God wants to get you back to that place. And it may not be like a physical place. You know, when you remember that, it might have been in another town or another state. But I'm not talking about He wants to get you back to a physical place. He wants to get you back to a place in Him and in your heart where His love and mercy and truth and goodness can be just so real to you again. Just listen to His guidance and obey whatever He tells you to do. And step by step, He will recalculate your route. I say route. 
He'll turn your life back around. And just so you know, we have all made wrong turns. We have all taken that wrong exit ramp. I remember when Alan and I heard from God about going to Ramah. And we were deciding where we would move out there. And we sold our business. We made a whole bunch of money. And so we decided on our own to take all the money that we had just made off the sale of this business and because it was just burning a hole in our pocket, right? God had a plan for it, but we thought we had a better plan. And we were just going to invest it in a foreclosure and double our money because it looked like a good idea. We did not hear this from God. We thought it was a good idea. And we said that we would make it work. And that was so dumb. And that was a wrong turn. And that was a really bad exit ramp off of the plan and will of God for our lives at that time. And we lost all of our money and that investment. And we had to sell that foreclosed house at a loss after all. So there we were. And all I can say is, but God. I've heard that phrase, but God. In his mercy and grace, he saw us through that thing and he brought us back into his blessing. He recalculated our route. And in the process, we sure did learn a lot. If you let him, the Lord will always take your wrong turns and set them right and, and teach you something in the process. So I want to tell you five ways I do have a list. Five ways that the Holy Spirit leads us in our daily lives. Number one, the Spirit leads us by His Word. By His Word. Matthew 4, 4 says this, But He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said that we would live by what? The Word of God. The Word of God. God's primary way that He leads us is through His Word. That's the number one way that He leads us. If we're facing a decision or we need some direction, we go to the Word first. We ask God to give us wisdom, answers, direction, guidance as we read His Word. As we read his word, he reveals things to us by the spirit that we need to do. Have you ever read a scripture and you say, I read that before, but you read it again and it means something new and fresh to you? That's the Holy Spirit guiding you through God's word. And as you hide those words in your heart, Pastor Allen always says, he will bring those words back to your memory in a time that you need to bring those back and he'll customize a plan for you to walk out a path for your life. Number two, the Spirit leads us 
by the witness. Romans 8, 5 through 17 is pretty long, and I'm going to let you guys read that later. I won't read it all, but it's a wonderful passage about the Holy Spirit and how he leads us. But down at the end of it, it says in verse 15, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. That verse 16 in the King James says it this way. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. All of that to say that that verse 16 says the Holy Spirit witnesses to our own spirit by giving us assurance, confidence, confirmation that we are God's children and we're on the right path. God's spirit is a witness to our spirit that we're we're on the right we're on the right track. When we're seeking God for direction, the spirit of God just puts puts a knowing in our heart. It's just that plain and simple. He witnesses to our spirit. When the spirit of God witnesses to our spirit, we just know that we know. First King, uh, number three, by the way, number three, the Spirit leads us by His still, small voice. His still, small voice. And First King 19, 11 and 12, this is God having this uh, encounter with Elijah. And then He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire, a still, small voice. Now, what three things was the Lord not in? He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He was in that still, small voice. Now, do you think God, if he wanted to speak to us through a tornado or an earthquake or a fire, if he wanted to speak to us that way in a frightening kind of way, he could. Why do you think that he wants us to listen for his still, small voice? I think maybe so we'll take our eyes off of the natural things, off of fear, and just focus on him. Take our eyes off of the world and put our eyes on him, put our ears on him, and just listen to him alone. Have you ever heard the Lord's still small voice just give you that little urge do this don't do this 
Now, just know this, the enemy will try to counterfeit the Spirit's still small voice. But here's how you know. The enemy's sneaky, still small voice will always come with fear or discouragement or lack of confidence or anxiety or frustration. He'll say, you can't do it. It's too hard. You're not qualified. You don't have enough money. You're not good enough. That's the enemy's still small voice. Don't believe that lie. The Holy Spirit's still small voice will always come with faith, wisdom, direction, and insight. And will always result in peace and power, and desire, and joy, and freedom. I can remember we were talking about this just a few minutes ago with that lady that was here. And I can remember when we decided to have our first orphan hosting program. You remember Jasveer? Wendy? Y'all were here, maybe. It was huge. It was a huge undertaking. We had to raise thousands of dollars really fast. And we had to meet all kind of deadlines and make arrangements with our government and their government. And we had to select the kids and we had to buy plane tickets and we had to secure housing and food and activities. And did I say thousands of dollars? And I knew that God had called us to do it. But I can remember hearing a still small voice say, don't even try, like this is too big. It's just too big. How are you going to do all that? We begin to seek the Lord and just pray about it. And I knew this. The word says, look after orphans. I knew the word was true. And the knowing in my spirit, the witness in my spirit was saying, I've called you to do it. I knew the word said it, and I knew. And then I just hear, I heard the still small voice of God, and he said, I've given you everything you need to do it. Just do it. And that's the point where you just take that step of faith and just, do it. And you guys know now we've seen, count that, 30 kids adopted from Ukraine through our program. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for saying that we could do it. What if 30 kids' future hung on whether you said yes or no to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number four, the Spirit leads us by His peace. Colossians 3.15 in the Amplified says it this way, And let the peace, which is soul harmony, from Christ rule and act as umpire continually in your heart. 
deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind to which as one body you were also called to live. So this verse says that the peace of God sometimes acts like an umpire in a baseball game. Sometimes you might be faced with uh, two or more choices about a particular situation. When Alan and I were faced with that decision about going to Ramah, we had two choices. Choice number one was stay in Alabama, keep our beautiful farm with all our awesome farm animals and chickens and all the little critters that I loved and continue to grow our very, very successful business that we had at that time, make lots of money, have really nice cars, give our kids all the latest gadgets, stay near our extended family. See how good that was sounding? Or choice number two was this, move to Oklahoma to go to Bible college, sell our farm and all the cute little critters, move into a tiny rental house, give up our business and go to work for practically minimum wage, sell our cars and ride a bicycle, deny our kids all of those luxuries, leave our family behind. And so you can see in the natural it was a no-brainer. Option one gave us security and luxuries and status and comfort. And option two required sacrifice and uncertainty and humility and a good bit of discomfort. And so we laid the two options out before the umpire and let him make the call. And even though in the natural, everything was screaming to us, option one, option one, we could not find peace there. And everything about option two screamed, insanity, you're crazy, even from people in our lives. But that was where we found peace. It's always best to let the peace umpire make the calls, right? God's peace is a safety guide. It may not look right at the moment. It may not look like the best option in the natural. But learn to follow after peace. Is that helping somebody? Number five. The Spirit leads us by desire. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, what does that mean? I, th I think it has a double meaning. Psalm 37, 4. I think this verse has a double meaning. When we delight ourselves in the Lord by seeking Him and being content in Him, then He will fill our hearts with a bunch of desires. And 
when we've been delighting ourselves in the Lord, He fulfills the desires that He put there in the first place. If you've been delighting yourself in the Lord, and you've been seeking Him, and you've been content in Him, and you have this consistent, godly desire in your heart, something like the desire to get married or have children or serve the Lord in a particular way or go to college or start a business, help the elderly or some group, volunteer somewhere, you can have confidence that the Lord put those desires there. And He will guide you on the route, on the path to fulfill that. If you listen to Him and obey His steps. But I'll make one little side note. Sometimes the Lord's route is not the shortest route. While we're focused on the destination or the end goal, He's more concerned with the process and the journey and the transformation of us while we're getting there. Right? If it seems like it's taken a million years for you to get to your promised land, just take comfort knowing that He's working in your life as you journey. And just listen and obey Him along the way and learn what He has for you to learn. Be transformed in the way that He's trying to transform you. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He gives you the desire and then he gives you the way to accomplish it. When we came out of Ramah, we were ready to take on the world. When you come out of there, you're just ready, just, where do I go? I'm going to save the world. It was our desire at that time, but it wasn't our time. It wasn't our time to jump into the things that we had a desire for. We needed 10 long years serving another church, another ministry, to learn and develop traits that we would need to step into Compass Church. We had to have those years. We saw the end from the beginning, but it was a process to get there. And boy, did we learn a lot. All right. The Holy Spirit leads those ways in our day-to-day activities, our natural life, but He also leads our spiritual, our spiritual lives. And He gives us supernatural gifts of the Spirit to bless us and to make us a blessing to others. 1 Corinthians 12, I'll just read all of this. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. 
and there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, uh, to, let's see, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kind of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, in verse 1, it's very clear. The Lord wants us to know about spiritual gifts. It's pretty plain. Don't be ignorant. Okay, so it's important that we know about the gifts of the Spirit. In verse 3, Paul makes it clear that the Holy Spirit would never lead you or give you a gift that would contradict Jesus' word or bring any dishonor to him. And verses 4 through 7 tell that there are diversities of gifts and ministries and activities, but they all come from the same Spirit. In other words, there are different ways that the Holy Spirit distributes His gifts and leads people in different operations of service, but they all come from the same Spirit. He leads us according to what He deems good and profitable. For someone, it might be giving a person a heartfelt word of encouragement. That might be your gift for today. That might be your life gift that you just are an encourager. For another person, it might be to start a shelter for the homeless in China. That's way different than the other person, but from the same Spirit comes that gift. The Holy Spirit is the one in charge of the operations and services and ministries. And look, that's why we don't judge or criticize others in the body of Christ for the way that they operate their ministry or the way that they serve the Lord or the way that they minister in their church or accomplish things for the glory of God. One person worships in one way, being led by the Spirit, and one another way, all from the same Spirit as long as they're being led by the Spirit. It's not our department to judge each other's spirituality. It's our job to love and encourage each other and let the Holy Spirit do His job and lead people as He chooses. And then in that, in that verse, uh, verse 7 through 11 describes all the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these are the gifts from God, His abilities from the Holy Spirit. They are demonstrations of His love and His ability flowing through us to accomplish His purpose and to help other people. And I'll just very quickly say we're going to do another study real soon about the gifts of the Spirit. So I won't go into those tonight, but they are, don't be ignorant, they're there. There for our use, for the Holy Spirit. He gives the abilities to use them, to help others, to edify others. We're going to learn a lot about those very, very soon.
one final benefit of being led by the Spirit. And this might be my favorite thing about the Holy Spirit. He is such a joy to know and to work with. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. Laughter and smiles and joy and peace and freedom, they are all signatures of people that are filled and flowing with the Spirit. You might want to hear that again. Any frowny faces in here might want to hear that again. Laughter, smiles, joy, peace, and freedom are all signatures of a person that's filled with the Spirit. Being, being filled with the Spirit doesn't make you angry or critical or judgmental or a downer. Joy, joy, joy is the distinguishing mark of a Spirit-filled Christian. You know that song, I got the joy, joy, joy. I know somebody wanted to sing it, right? The Holy Spirit makes learning and sharing God's Word a joy. If you're not joyful when you're studying the Word, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And that joy, there's a joy that comes with studying the Word. The Holy Spirit makes ministering to people a joy, not a burden. I want to finish up this study of the Spirit-empowered life with these scriptures about joy and peace and freedom. I'm going to read them to you. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. This has got to be something good, some good word when you want to eat it. Romans fifteen thirteen. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the, is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. And then Acts 13.52 It says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So you guys remember this. The Holy Spirit is our tour guide through life. And the primary ways that He leads us is by the Word, by the inward witness with our spirit, by His still small voice, by His peace, and then on occasion by giving us one of the gifts of the Spirit. And the result of living in the flow of the Spirit-empowered life is freedom and peace and joy. Amen? 
All right. Well, that is the conclusion of the Spirit-empowered life. I hope you guys have learned something over the last four weeks. And if you missed a week, the podcasts are there. This one will be up in a few, you know, a day or so. And um, if you have questions, I'm glad to answer them. If you need to study this some more, there's a great book. I'll let you borrow. But it's been good. I've had fun for four weeks. <laughs>